And all God's people said, amen. 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 Good morning, everyone. Well, welcome again to Lakeland Community. Lakeland Community Church, started by Dan and Lori Wilburn in the early 1990s. How fortunate, what an outlying church it is to still have the founding pastor, a senior pastor, um, after all this time. I uh, came on board uh, as a congregation member in 1995 for a very specific reason. I had had an amazing life-saving and soul-saving encounter with Christ Jesus, who took my upside-down life and turned it right-side up. And I wanted to share this good news with my friends. But uh, being new to the faith myself, I needed some help to do that. I needed a, a church community. Problem was, uh, in the late 80s, early 90s, that church, for someone like me, with friends like mine, was not working. When I was in elementary school, the only church kid I knew told me that if I didn't stop listening to Michael Jackson, I was going to go to hell. When I took up fantasy role-playing games, my dad had to play with us for several months just so he could vouch for us and fend off the other church parents that we were not, at the age of 10, engaged in devil worship. Some church folk went so far as to say that real Christians don't watch Star Wars. Imagine how that went. All right. Just uh, the message seemed to be just avoid anything that might be fun that will please God. This upside down message of fun avoidance causes us to miss the real wonder of what God has for us. Back then when churches did get excited to share something, it wasn't always even the good news of Jesus Christ. My dad was youth leader for one year of, uh, or a few years, I don't remember, I wasn't paying attention, um, uh, of the high school ministry. And he, he threw a high school lock-in and uh, he, he was going to make it about prayer, teaching high school kids to pray. He invited the associate pastor to come and speak about prayer. So the associate pastor walks in to the high school kids and says, I don't really know very much about prayer, but I do know a lot about Zen Buddhist meditation. And he had everyone assume the lotus position and began teaching them to meditate like Buddhists. Now, don't, don't Buddhists have their own experts to teach this sort of thing? Probably better. Um, do they, does, a, does a Christian pastor really need to spend time doing that, especially in a Christian youth lock-in? Some churches went out for things even stranger than that. We, my band played for a youth group once, and uh, before we got up to play, the youth pastor gathered his huge youth group, two, three hundred kids. He said, why don't we all pray? I thought this would be amazing. And he said, tonight we're going to pray with our screams. And I don't mean screaming prayers. I mean, they just opened their mouth and went, If you've never been in a room with 200 plus people shrieking, I pray you never are. It was horrifying. It's horrifying. And after he finally got quiet, he had this serene look and he goes, I think the Lord's so pleased right now. And I thought, I'm pretty sure that scared the out of him. All right. So that's going out for the weird and missing the wonder of what God has for us. And church back then was pretty tied into giving, getting everyone to look alike, act alike, think alike, strict dress codes to attend worship. The first time I finally did invite a friend to hear the, the message of Jesus Christ at, at a different church, my wife said, be sure to highlight that. A greeter, a greeter stopped him at the door, hand on the chest, 
and said, take your hat off in the house of the Lord. Ball caps. That's what we were worried about that day. Racism was practically built into the church. I remember my aunt and uncle saying one time that a black person had accidentally shown up to church. I said, being a naive kid, what do you mean accidentally? And they said, very matter of fact, well, they have their own. Oh, okay. Here's an old church joke I hope you've heard before. I once saw this guy on a bridge about to jump. I said, don't do it. He said, nobody loves me. I said, God loves you. Do you believe in God? He said, yes. I said, are you a Christian or, or, or something else? He said, a Christian. I said, me too. Are you Protestant or Catholic? He said, Protestant. I said, me too. What denomination? He said, Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? <laughs> he said, Northern Baptist. I said, me too. Uh, Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region or Northern Conservative Baptist Eastern Region? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region. I said, me too. Normal Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1879 or Normal Conservative Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. He said, Great Nor uh, <laughs> I can't even say it. He said, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. I said, die, heretic, and I pushed him off the bridge. <laughs> Trying to stamp out disagreement, we miss the wonder of what God can do because God brings people together by, are you ready for this? Changing hearts and minds. Of course, missing the wonder of God doesn't always require an upside-down church. It's not always the church's fault. There are plenty of upside-down behaviors that those who seek after God that we can do to ourselves that causes us to miss the wonder of God. The easiest mistake to make when you encounter God is to actually worship the leader who helped you get there or the church movement that helped you get there instead of the one they're proclaiming. When I was a teenager, um, my, the Christian upbringing my dad tried to provide for us was heavily supported by our Christian martial arts instructors. You gotta remember how exciting that was in my day. These were the days of the Karate Kid and Mr. Miyagi and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the first round of the Power Rangers. And it just made Jesus so real for him to be worshiped and served, not just by your parents, but by your mentors, your role models, black belts and martial arts masters. I copied everything these people did. I got down on the floor literally and bowed when they walked into the room. They were God's representatives on earth as far as I was concerned. The only real martial artists, the only real Christians in the whole world. And then the scandals started. Adulterous affairs, instructors having improper relations with students, some of them minors. It was a shocking blow. If I didn't have family and church at that same time, I don't know what would have happened to my faith. Some of you have lost faith. Some of your faith has taken a shocking blow because some upside down leader or congregation let you down or hurt you. But why was that a blow to your faith in God? Unless you made the mistake of actually worshiping the messenger instead of the one they were proclaiming. 
those seeking God can also make a big upside down mistake by encountering God in an amazing way and then ignoring, discarding, just forgetting that you ever had that leading. I see this sometimes with folks who survive car wrecks or diseases or disasters. They, they have this amazing encounter. They come to church for a while. A whole family may sit in the front row uh, filled with wonder and gratefulness. But they don't always get beyond the thanks God stage of faith. They don't really enter into church community. They don't go for the full wonder and finally fade away. Some folks get into a bad spot in life and they go to God and that's the right place to go. And God helps them and he rescues them and he changes their hearts and their minds because he's faithful and that's what he wants to do. But just when they get to feeling a little bit better, once the big stress is gone and it's manageable again, they fade off from the church community. Too often right back to the upside down in a year or two. Just when they were about to experience the real wonder of what God had for them. And some who seek God find themselves unable to receive what God has for them because they let themselves get fixated or hung up on some issue or some question. And rather than walking with God through that confusion to see what he has for you and what he wants to do in that confusion that you're in, they dig in their heels and they say, no, I'm not going one step further on this spiritual journey until you answer for me this question, until you tell me how this problem is going to turn out. I have a friend who takes me out to lunch about every other year, always for the last 15, 20 years with the same question. How do you know God forgives you? I think I give a pretty good answer, but there will be again in another 24 months with the same question. It keeps the spiritual journey frozen right there. Why do people do this sort of thing? Because for a lot of people, God is scary. Keith Miller in his book, A Hunger for Healing, uses some pretty strong language to describe this fear. The fear may be that God, like some cosmic rapist, is, is going to come into the innermost part of our lives and control every move or thought or stop us from doing or thinking anything that's fun, or send us off to a dangerous or primitive mission field, or force us to sell our home and give the money to the poor, or tell us to become a rigid, narrow Christian, or Episcopalian, or Baptist, or Catholic, or Charismatic, or whatever the scariest thing is to you. And that fear of this upside-down image of God causes us to intentionally sit out and miss the wonder of what God has. So this passage that we're going to study today from uh, the Acts of the Apostles in the New Testament, chapter 10. I've really come to love this passage because it deals with all of this. It shows us a spiritual journey from both sides, from the church's side and from the side of the one seeking after God. And it shows us how to do it right. So to set it up, uh, we're picking up right where we left off last week. So the Apostle Peter, um, a, a Jewish Christian, a follower of Christ, he has a vision that he's going to go to the house of a Roman soldier and share with him the message of Jesus. First time Peter's ever shared the message of Jesus with someone who wasn't Jewish. 
Cornelius, the Roman centurion in another town, has a vision at the same time that he is to ask this preacher to come and tell him this message he's never heard before. So that's where we pick up in verse 23. So Peter invited the men to stay for the night. The next day he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. They arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. Do you know what the church does right in this passage? They go where the unbelievers are. Peter could have said, oh, I'm in Joppa for a while now. You just come on up here anytime you want to hear something about Jesus. But he doesn't. He gets up and he goes to where they are. In the same way, we can't say, yeah, we have church here every Sunday at 9 and 1030. You want to hear something about Jesus? Just stop on in. We've got to wash out from this place and go out and share the message with those who are seeking a picture of God that is real in their lives. And you know what the seeker of God, this Roman centurion, does right in this passage? He invites his friends and relatives over for the journey. He's like, I'm about to hear something amazing, I think. I bet you're going to want to be here. And it says the house was, had all his close friends and relatives there. We, we experience this also at Lakeland. Do you know who invites more people to church than anyone? Someone who's only been coming to church a month or two themselves. Consistently, they invite seven, ten people a year, and they all come because they're so excited about this right-side-up picture of God that Jesus shows us. They're so excited about the changes that it causes in their life, and they tell their friends, I wish you could experience what I'm experiencing. Why don't you come? And their friends see their excitement, and they come. It goes out from there. That's the right way to do it, and they're about to see the wonder of God. Verse 25, as Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, stand up. I'm a human being just like you. So they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled. Peter told them, you know, it's against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. You know what the church does right in this message? or this passage, two things. One, they don't buy their own hype. He walks in and the guy falls down on the floor to worship him. Peter pulls him and says, I'm a human just like you. Get off the floor. He will not let himself be put up on a pedestal. He's here to tell about someone who's going to be put up on a pedestal, Christ Jesus, but, but not him. Another thing the church does right is he says, you know, we have these laws that we built around the scripture to protect the scripture that say we can't, you know, hang out with people who aren't our race. Um, God has shown me that's not right. I should not think of anyone as impure or unclean. That, that never was in the scriptures, he says. A church that will admit it makes some mistakes can be very comforting. Because a lot of us grew up with people who abused us and treated us horribly and they could never admit that they were wrong. So it feels very unsafe for us, even though a lot of churches kind of come across with this. Hey, we do everything right here. We just read the Bible and it's right. Whatever I'm saying to you today is right. We don't make mistakes. If it looks like we did, it might be your problem. Okay, that makes a lot of people very uneasy because that sounds an awful lot like so-and-so who abused me. It's very comforting if someone can walk into a room and say, we used to do it this way, but now we don't. 
like if I were to say right now, which I am, here at Lakeland Community. We have gone down some paths in the past. We believed at the time was the counsel of God, but after prayer and contemplation and studying the scriptures, we had to walk some things back. We had to reel it in. There's also been ministries that we used to ignore, not think of as terribly important, but after studying the way of Jesus, spending time in prayer and scriptures, we realized we need to go and be a part of those things in the world. We need to get more into that. Some people in that moment feel a great deal of comfort. They're like, well, maybe I'm less likely to be abused here because they're willing to admit from time to time some mistakes are made. We've got other mistakes in our future. I can't wait to see them. Because <laughs> we're all humans. We try to follow the Holy Spirit, but we see through a mirror darkly, the scripture says right now. The only way we can press past the need to say, hey, we're a perfect church that gets it all right. We can press past that to the real wonder that God has for us. What he actually wants to show us. Verse 29. Peter says, so I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you sent for me. Cornelius replied, four days ago, I was praying in my house about this same time, three o'clock in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in dazzling clothes was standing in front of me. He told me, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. Now send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He's staying in the home of Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. So I sent for you at once and it was good of you to come. Now we're all here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given you. You know what uh, Cornelius, the seeker of God, does right in this passage? He seems to follow every piece of information about how to get closer to God that he's given. At some point, this pagan Roman soldier is told, you want to follow the one true God? Pray to him. And he did. And a little further down the road, someone said, you want to follow uh, this one true God? Something as close to his heart is helping the poor. So he did that. Now, those two things have brought him to this place where he can receive a vision from God. Okay, now I want you to summon this uh, former fisherman and he's going to come tell you a message you've never heard before. And he does that too. And he invites his friends and family along to share the wonder with him. I promise you in the months to come, you're going to hear uh, advice and spiritual practices and things that you can do to grow closer to God. If you're seeking after God, do them. For the next several weeks, we'll be talking a lot about small group. You may not understand at all the value of what a small group would bring to your life. I bet this Roman soldier didn't understand why you would pray at first. Certainly not why you would give your money to the poor or what that would have to do with God. And now a vision to come hear a message. But he did each thing. Follow the spiritual practices given to you by those who have gone down before and down the road before and see, see what happens. And you know what the church does right in this message? They share the gospel. That's our word for the good news of what Christ has done. Even though Cornelius is already doing a lot of things right, he already prays, he already shares with the poor, Peter could have come and said, you're doing fine. You don't, you don't need anything more, but Peter knows that's not true. Because if it's not rooted in Christ Jesus, the energy behind even those behaviors will finally fade away. Because the church is not a soup kitchen, 
only. We certainly have missions that feed the hungry, but that's not at the the center of what the church is. The church is not a shoulder to cry on only. We have vibrant counseling ministries here and we have Mercy Street on Saturday nights to help us recover from our hurts and our habits and our hang up. But as beautiful as that is, that's not the center of who we are. The church is not a friendly handshake only. Although we have an amazing greeter ministry where no one chest passes anyone at the door and uh, a coffee bar and the kiosk volunteers to help everyone find their way. But even that's not the center of what we are. What is the church primarily? The carriers of the good news that God is fully revealed in Jesus. And if you follow Jesus, he will bring about changes and wonders in your life beyond anything you could imagine, including food for the hungry and comfort for the hurting and a welcome for those who are left out. But even beyond that, there are further wonders you could never imagine as he brings you to God. So Peter steps up and performs the primary function of the church. He shares the good news. Verse 34, then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You you know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. And it sounds like before the good news was even finished being told. A wonder beyond what anyone expected began to happen right there in the room. Verse 44. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Speaking in other tongues. A miraculous sign that we see often in the New Testament, especially in the book of Acts. People would speak in languages they did not previously understand. And those in the room could understand them to be praising God and proclaiming the message of Jesus. It had happened once before in the book of Acts. Here it is happening again. And it is a sign that God's now moving to another stage. Because once it was the apostles who preached, those who had walked and talked and ate with Jesus. But in the upper room, it went out to many people to proclaim that the Jewish Messiah had come. Now in this room, 
It's spreading out to the Gentiles. The Holy Spirit sign that now God wants to speak through the Gentiles to share this good news with the whole world. They have pressed on to the full wonder. Verse 46. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they've received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. You know what Peter and the church does right here? They stuck around even after the preaching, even after the big conversion. I can only wonder what they talked about and the questions that were asked and answered as they lived together those days in Caesarea. Many years ago now, a, a young woman crash-landed here in the parking lot at Lakeland. Addicted to drugs, drunk. She wanted some money for some food. Someone from this congregation did give her some money for some food, but not just. They took her to a rehab facility and checked her in. They didn't leave her there. They went in and sat by her bed. And not just for a day. Every day. They taught her to knit. They listened to her story. They told her about Christ Jesus. And when she checked out of the facility, they didn't just send her back where she came from and say good luck. They found a home of a beautiful Christian couple here in the congregation where she could live while she continued to heal and continue to grow. She got married. She had beautiful children. She became the leader of a ministry here in Kansas City that helps women leave the life that she was trapped in. All because someone stuck around for a few days. Let's follow these models and these examples from Scripture and from our own congregation. Let's not settle for anything less than the full wonder of God, the full power of His Holy Spirit, unleashed in our lives, unleashed in the lives of anyone who even showed this much interest until everything upside down is turned right side up. Let's press together for the full wonder of God. Amen? Amen. If our servers will come forward, Christ Jesus left us with this meal, the Lord's table, to help us remember this good news. That even on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And he took a cup. He said, this cup is my blood of the new covenant poured out but for the forgiveness of sins. How do you know God forgives us? Because he gave his life for us. He says, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember my death till I eat and drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. Press on for the full wonder of what God has. So we invite you to come forward and tear off a piece of bread. You dip it in the cup and you participate when you take it into yourself, into this offer that God is giving us. Let us stand together. And let us proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. 
Therefore, let us keep the feast. Hallelujah. The gifts of God for the people of God each day. May Christ be as real to you as this food and this drink. Let us pray together the prayer that Jesus left us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you feel ready, come down, tear off a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, take it into yourself and return to your seats as we receive this gift of God together. Amen. All right. Well, we um, have also been uh, sharing um, some, letting people share stories and thank yous for those who invited them into the life of the church. So today we have uh, Wayne and Emily Stamp, and they are thanking Jeff and Trista Luck to come on up. Oh, yeah, thank you. See, Jeff, you almost got away without having to come up. That was, would have been good. Hello, and thank you for letting us share a little bit today. My name is Wayne. This is my wife, Emily. We've been attending here for about a year. Um, we have known Jeff and Trissa for about 12, 13, 14 years or so. Um, I was a youth pastor and a pastor, and now my wife and I have been at Summit Christian Academy for about 15 years. It's weird to invite a pastor to come to your church. All right. Normally that doesn't work well, but uh, we weren't in ministry at that time other than at the school. And we were about 40 to 45 minutes away. We didn't like to go to church in Lee Summit for a couple reasons. First of all, if you ever leave a church and there's kids you know who go there, they feel awkward about that. And like, why did you leave my church? Is my church not good enough for you? Um, and so whenever we searched for churches, we were usually out of the area. And we figured, well, we didn't know anyone at Lakeland anyways. And, you know, and then we realized we do. Um, but... <laughs> But we came here, our child was struggling because being 40, 45 minutes away on the way home, he would, he would take a nap. And when your child takes a nap at the wrong time of day, some of you have experienced that. That is not a pleasant thing. And Sundays were becoming horrible for us. And we were hating Sundays. And I didn't want to hate Sundays. Uh, Sundays were always a great day until my Chicago Bears played. And then it was a horrible day. Uh, but Sundays just we're not going well. And my wife was on a walk with Trissa one night. They moved to our neighborhood, which was an absolute blessing for us. And she said, why don't you try out Lakeland? And so my wife was like, well, Wayne is really picky as it comes to listening to sermons. <laughs> and, and that is very true. And she said, well, Jeff really is too, but Lakeland works for him. And I was like, yeah, but you don't understand. In fact, I was teaching Aiden um, in our preaching class this year and said, well, you have to start critiquing your pastor. And she just gave this big smile and says, I can't wait. Um, and, and this is kind of what, what we do. And I was like, I don't know if this is going to work for me sort of thing. And then we showed up at Lakeland, and there were so many things we appreciated. We love listening to Pastor Garrett. We love the milestone ideas. We love authenticity. We talked about it today. Um, it's a big deal I shared in first service that when I was a youth pastor, my senior pastors didn't want me to share any of my struggles with the students who were there. Wanted everything to look perfect, like we've got our lives together. 
And that's so dangerous uh, for us as Christians, for us as people. Uh, we need to be real. We need to be vulnerable. We need to be able to share our difficulties. And we felt like we were coming to a place that did that. Um, and that was important. We love the milestone ideas. Our, our son loves being here. Um, the people in nursery know who he is. That was a big deal for us because they didn't know who he was in the church we were at. Then I realized as teachers, you only know the names of the bad kids. So it started to make sense to me a little bit. Um, but, but he's just well-loved, um, and he loves being a part of things um, and just being a part of the ministry here. And we've appreciated being here. So you never know who you can invite. It might be a pastor. Um, it might be anyone you know. But know that you're inviting them to a church that is worth their time. Not just that the church is worth their time, but that God is, and this church will help them know that. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, stay up for just a moment. Thank you, Trissa, for inviting them. So whenever we have Teacher of the Year, Principal of the Year, any of that stuff, we always like to, to bring that up. We're just so proud of all our educators that go here to Lakeland, too. So Trissa Luck was Teacher of the Year at Summit Christian Academy last year. Actually, you get to rain all the way until May, right? Yeah, so you still got the tiara. Good. And then uh, uh, Emily uh, is a theater director. Last year she directed, last spring she directed Sherlock Holmes and the Baker Street Irregulars and at the Cappies, which is like the, um, the Tonys for high school theater in Kansas City, uh, they won Best Ensemble. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're so excited you guys are here. Thank you so much. Well, let us stand together, and our benediction comes from Ephesians. It's all about this amazing power of God. Let's say this together as to bless one another and to encourage one another, press toward the full wonder of God. Glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we could ask or imagine. Glory to him from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace. <music>